Welcome to the Core Women Podcast. My name is Dr. Summer Watson. I'm a doctor of psychology, podcaster, published author, coach, producer of documentary empowerment films, and empowerment seminars. This podcast is a special place for the hearts and souls of women. It is a place where women share their journeys, strength, resiliency, strategy, and passions. Today on the show, I'd like to welcome Christine Arilo, who is a transformational leadership advisor and coach, social impact leader and founder, wisdom teacher, speaker, podcaster, graduate of Northwestern University with her MBA, and three-time best-selling author. We have so much to talk about, Christine, to include your book, Overwhelmed and Over It, Embrace Your Power to Stay Centered and Sustained in a Chaotic World. Welcome. Oh, Summer and everyone, hello. I'm <laughs> excited for our conversation today. Mm-hmm. Summer and I were just talking before we got started. We discovered that we are we are sisters with the same, with a similar point of view and lots to talk about. So I'm imagining that everyone that's here today are like, this is the time to get out of overwhelm and start doing it differently. So I'm excited to see where we're going to go. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me today on the Core Women Podcast. I'd like for you to, if you could speak a bit about your personal and professional journey and how your passion developed into helping women make important shifts in their lives, such as in their everyday life and in work and in community. Mm. Well, there's so many stories to tell. Let me see which jumping off point I, I'm going to pick. I'll pick one of them. I always like to start with a catalytic moment, you know, that moment where I was like going along in my life and I was like, thought everything was one way and then like a catalyst occurred and like it was like oh <laughs> oh maybe 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 I didn't totally have this right um and so I'll, I'll choose the moment that relates most to the to the topic we're talking about overwhelmed and over it I had um I had just moved out of my corporate career and decided to to take the plunge into being an entrepreneur and to working with women and so I'd been in the corporate world for about I don't know 15 20 years something like that and I um and I was very trained, you know, as that MBA, linear thinker, achiever. And I actually really loved being an achiever, but I didn't realize how out of balance I actually was and how really handicapped I was because I had been so trained in the traditional models of success and leadership. And it wasn't until six months into being an entrepreneur, you know, I'm going to go out into the world and I'm going to help inspire women and girls. We can do these things differently. And I'm sitting in my office and I have all these vision boards, you know, Oprah's on it and, you know, all the stuff, you know, and I, mm-hmm. and then that's like the, the visioning part of me. And they have all my spreadsheets because I'm an MBA. So I have all my goals, you know, by quarters. And I was working two jobs at the time to, to basically pay for my book, my first book, Getting Into the World, Choosing Me Before We. And so I was working a consulting job while trying to also build my coaching practice and get this book into the world. And I just wasn't having the impact that I wanted to. I was been fly, had been flying around to all of these TV shows, um, speaking for six minutes, talking about things like Brad and Angelie and like their breakup. And I'm like, really, this is this is not the conversations we need to be having is one of the reasons why I'm so excited to do this book and be talking to people like you in this podcast format because we can you know we can we can talk about so much more. So right. I had what I call my first superwoman sob moment, where the pressure was too much. Maybe you've had one summer. Maybe those of oh, you oh, listening, yeah. <laughs> right? And it's like you're like a cage who's been pump 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 up, and then you're just like tap. And I'm so, you know, like all the tears are coming. There was probably snot. I'm not sure, but it was. <laughs> And all of the, you know, the voices, the inner mean girl voices, like, what are you doing? Like, you're not going to, you're never going to get there. You know, like, you're not making a difference. And then after the sob subsided, it's kind of like, you know, the calm after a rainstorm. 
I heard the little voice, the strong voice, the voice of my inner wisdom. And that voice said, Christine, if you keep trying to work this way, you are going to get sick. You are going to never make your mission. You're never going to, you're never going to be successful because it's like, it's too much. The way you've been doing this is wrong. You need the feminine. And that voice was very clear. You need the feminine. And I was like, huh? I was like, I was like, yes. And I'm like, what the heck is the feminine? I don't know what the feminine is. And so I said, okay, I believe you. And I'm going to go figure out what that is. And now fast forward, you know, however many years it is, 14, 15 years. And, um, and I realized that I needed to train in something other than the traditional conventional way of success in leadership. And that took me down when I called where I called the wisdom teachings in the wisdom way. So deep study in the feminine, deep study in the earth wisdom, deep study in yogic science, um, and really learning how to operate from my full power, which is my feminine and my masculine. And also more than that, just value it. I realized I actually didn't value the feminine way either. So I'll pause yeah. there. Decide where well, you want to take us. <laughs> I love, I love that you mentioned that because you do mention that in your book about, you know, valuing yourself. But let me go back to something you said. And that was really listening to that muse, that inner voice of the feminine. Like, what is that? You know, what did you define as that? How did you trust that? When yeah, you're going that, through that, that's kind of difficult. It is difficult. And it's one of, it's one of the things that kind of makes me, um, makes my fierce feminine the most like angry like in like in a, in a mama kind of way of like how could it be after going to the one of the top two graduate schools in the country and a pretty decent education and all kinds of on-the-job training i had never been taught about my intuition no one had ever taught me anything about my inner wisdom my intuition that that other part i was so focused which is the feminine right. and because i'd always been taught about the masculine the intellect the mind the logic the rationale right be rational be logical be realistic right. and and the mind is a wonderful thing but as it turns out the mind is actually not the place we're supposed to make decisions from the intellect is a sorter and it's a linearizer you know kind of like helps us figure out the next steps but the intuition is the realm of imagination. It's a realm of, realm of possibility. It's the one that keeps you on your soul's path and in alignment with your life. Einstein has even been quoted as saying, like, imagination is everything. Steve Jobs has been quoted as saying, intuition is way more valuable than the intellect. But how come we're not trained in it? We're not trained in, in this, in an overwhelming overload. I talk about our crazy wisdom, right? That's the part of you that's like, you, you like everyone thinks you're nuts for like doing what you're doing or taking a leap or doing things differently. But that part inside of you and your body and your heart's like, no, like this is right for me. And, and I was just talking um, somewhere to a group of 20 um, high school students, seniors in high school in LA and um, in some of the they're very, like very privileged, like really good schools come from really like high income families. And I asked all of them, I said, how many of you have been taught about your intuition and how your intuition works, you all half a hand went up like this. It was like this. It was like, and I'm just like, <laughs> I'm like, this is a crisis. Like we, we talk about STEM and math and science, but we're all making our choices based on the world we see out there, which was never created for women's best interests. We're trying to play a game, a man's game, not even a man's game. It's a distorted game versus like stopping and being like, what are we doing? What? It's because we're so divorced and we don't trust this part of ourselves. And I, I'll see so many women. I was at a conference, a podcasting conference three years ago and Harvard Business was doing their, I had a, like a big thing about women podcasters and these, these women that run 
my Harvard Business Podcast, were talking about all these like things that they saw about what was happening in the workforce. And then I'll never forget this one woman was so confident, so self-assured, so knew her stuff. And then she says, but I don't really have a study to back it up. I don't have any data to back it up. And I just wanted to run up to the test and be like, stop, you know, like, yeah. like, like right there. Not that data is wrong, not that, we, you know, it's not good to have that, but how much we discount and distrust and we woo-woo and we poo-poo, like with the woo-woo and the poo-poo, yeah. <laughs> that, that intuitive, you know, sense, which really is our, our power. Absolutely. I think because we have been conditioned so much to the point where it's almost they demonize paying attention to your heart, paying attention to your soul. You're absolutely correct that we weren't taught that. We were taught strategy. We were taught goal setting. We were taught, you know, all these variables of, you know, how can this be proven? And yet here you're quoting Einstein saying, you know, sometimes you have to listen to that intuition. You have to listen to the heart. You have to listen to the soul. And, and that does come into balance. There is a place for strategy, but there's also a place for heart, soul, and mind, all of it, and the, the balance. And that's something that I really gathered from your book, Overwhelmed and Over It. I absolutely loved your book. Before we started the show, I showed you where I've tabbed everywhere in this book because it was so like, oh, yes, I love that. I love what she's saying. We are like soul sisters here. <laughs> we are totally yes. <laughs> um, so I absolutely, as I said, love the process. And in your book, you suggest that sometimes we fail because as a culture, we want quick fixes. As an alternative, you suggested a process that will lend to change over time. Can you explain the key components of this process? Yeah, so I guess it's going to go back again to intuition. <clears throat> so one of my hopes and one of the things I've been talking about for a long time, and I know you have as well, Summer, and I feel like sometimes I feel like I've been like talking into the wind um, because women, and I just want to say to everybody out there listening, wherever you're at right now in your life, it is not your fault that you haven't figured it out, that you haven't been able to find work-life balance, that you haven't been able to, you know, like reach whatever level of success and maintain it without sacrificing your health or your wellness or your relationships, because the systems that we are living in right now are built for burnout. They are systems that we live in education, government, financial, all of it. You can trace it back at least to the beginning of the industrial revolution. You could go all the way back to Rome, <laughs> go even farther back. And and they're built on this competitive domination, accumulate, grow, 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 bigger, 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 faster, 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 more, 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 more culture. And when women entered the workforce in the 1970s-ish, like in full force, where we became kind of like, you know, equal numbers in the workforce. And I did a, I had an opportunity to talk to Gloria Steinem about this in the research of my book was pretty amazing, kind of like WTF, you know, how, yeah. <laughs> how did That's we get cool here like, now, right? right? Right. And and part of what happened is that um, we, we basically women we we know we we won the rights to be able to vote and then to be able to go into the workforce and then we could you know have options and choices but it was kind of like the system says okay ladies you know have your little choices and stuff but we're not going to change anything to actually change the dynamic of what that does to a family what that does to a um, to childcare what that does to all of those those things you just have to do more. And because we are amazing, we did. And we just put more and more and more on. And also because the systems, we didn't have enough women or conscious male allies or even consciousness at the time inside of places to be able to have influence to actually do it differently. 
And this is what I'm hoping to do with this, with this book, with our conversations, like, you know, forever of like, we are actually in that place now. But what I see when I go to conferences, and this is like before the COVID and the pandemic, which I actually believe is a wake up for all of us and a shake up to be like, yeah, why do we have our structures for work where we go to work five days a week? Why do we send our kids to school the way that we do? Like to really shake us up to be like, no, you can do it differently. I would go to these big conferences, you know, 6,000 women in a room. And it struck me, I'm like, we talk about power, we talk about empowerment, but we really don't understand our power as women because we are playing and trying to win a seat at the table of a game that we don't even wanna play. Because that game is about do more, grow, 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 make more, make more, consume, 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 consume. The whole overculture is based on that. And woman would never create that because a woman's nature is to create something that's sustainable. So the model you're talking about, Summer, that's in the book, it, it puts to next to each other the model of um, unsustainable growth and creation and the model for sustainable growth and creation. And the thing that's missing, it's four kind of four stages of how the universe and how we're supposed to create in a sustainable way. The first stage is impulse. You have an impulse to do something that's fire. The second stage is intuition, which is water, where you slow down, feel in, sense into the path, the possibility, what you gotta go into your body, you gotta go into your heart, you gotta go into that, those senses out there. Then, then you create thought, that's stage three, wind, and then you go into earth, form. But we skip that second step because we are told you have to go fast, you have to be quick, speedy is wins the game, and that's distorted masculine power. Where mm-hmm. when you have feminine and masculine working together, you are, you're that stillness where you're like, it's like an owl. You're still, you're alert, you're watching, you're sensing, you're noticing, and then you move with swiftness. That's the masculine, not distorted power. Like that's power, stillness and swiftness. You want to be like owls. We don't want to be like energizer bunnies and chickens running on the barn floor. I got to go over here. I got to go over here. I got to go over here. <laughs> right? It's like conserve nice. your energy, be aware and and I think that's, we have a lot of um, pressure in our culture to react, to post on social media from all the way to that, to be able to how we have to run in our lives and our businesses and, and all of that. No, I think that's a great explanation of, of the question that I asked. And I want to touch on what you said in relation to how history has shown itself that we have been as women pacified. We have been pacified by saying, hey, you have these voting rights, you have these rights, you've got, you know, you can do this with this, but this is how you're gonna do it. If you're gonna have a seat at the table, this is what your seat is going to look like. And I think you're absolutely right. There are so many, the way I look at this past year and COVID and such, I know that it's been a hardship for many people, but I look at some of the blessings that have come out of this and the gratitude of that. and meaning that we have a time to reflect. We have a time to look at things, doing things differently. Even companies and corporations, tech corporations, for instance, are looking at doing things differently. We had to pivot. We had to shift. And these things that we're shifting towards are working, like working from home, managing kids, how we teach the kids um, from home, you know, so we've had to do things differently and look at things and structures differently. So 
this is an opportunity to rewrite some of that history. It's yeah, I totally, it's not only an opportunity, I would add on to that. It's a necessity, right? Right. It's a necessity. So what's been right. happening is we've been assimilating <clears throat> into these systems because we mm-hmm. at some level didn't have a choice, but number two, we're not even aware. You can't change what you're not aware of. Right. And this is that part of like really getting, it's not our fault, but we are the ones with the power to change it. So what's happened is women have been so busy just trying to keep our freaking heads above the water. We've been treading water, you know, like this, like just trying to you right. know, keep it together and 2020 and, and the pandemic and everything around it was like a deluge. It was like a tidal wave, like whoosh, you know, like, and it's interesting because in my studies, I've studied, I'm, I'm very studied in the yogic tradition, the earth traditions and the um, feminine traditions. And there's this beautiful Hopi prophecy that kind of emerged um, around 2001 when, when the Twin Towers went down. And that was a big catalyst for America that, you know, in my mind was used to create more war and chaos and not more peace. But we don't have, we don't have to but that was like an example of a catalyst. And so this poem, this, 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 this thing emerged. And then we went into the, what we've been experiencing the last 19 years, which has not been peace and harmony and working together. It's been more and more and more separation. But in this poem, in this, in this Hopi prophecy, it's called, We Are the Ones We've Been Waiting For. You can Google it. And, they, and, it, and I'll paraphrase this because I think it, it helps us understand 2020 and what 2020 is and why I call it a catalyst, is they say there's a great river that is coming and it will be moving so fast that if you try to hold on to the shore, basically those that try to hold on to the shore don't let go, want things to be the same, just want it to go back to normal, don't want to actually do the work to look at their own lives and look around, you will create great suffering for yourself. You'll be torn apart, right, by this, by this river because it's moving. You got to go with it. They say, let go of the shore, let go of the shore, find your way to the center of the river, keep your head above the water. And this is the challenge right now is that we have to like sustain ourselves as we're going through this massive change and look around for others, look around for others who are also in the river, like, okay, let's go, let's surrender. And like, let's let, let's move with this flow. This is the part about moving forward. And they say in the, in the prophecy, this could be a good time. Gather yourselves, mm-hmm. gather yourselves. Which I think is fascinating about the, the virus, which wants people not to gather, but then everybody is trying to gather because everyone's craving connection because that's how we are as humans. And so I really feel like it's really important not to try to push what's happened 2020 away. Yeah, it's been challenging. But if I look at like, if I look at one of my, my first catalysts was in 2001, when my engagement ended, I was not the one doing the engagement. I was halfway through grad school, had the big house, had the big car, had all the monikers of success, was on my way up, what I call the escalator to death now of like, you know, that very linear path. And he broke up with me on the way to our engagement party. And, um, right. Yeah. You're right. Wow. <laughs> really big. Right. Wow. Right. Uh, and, right. and, and you would think as a really self-assured, like confident woman, I would have been like, you're an ass punched his lights out and like, you know, went to the party myself, but no, no, no. I pretended like everything was going to be fine and I was going to fix it. Cause that's what I was programmed to do to fix right. it. Like this was not, this is not happening to me took me about two weeks of completely falling apart. It felt you all like, um, it felt like I had a scaffolding inside of me that had been being made of like toothpicks and popsicle sticks. And I was just trying to hold it all together with gumballs and, you know, tape kind of like we've been doing in our society and in our lives. And in that moment, it shattered. And I think that's what's happening. We're having a shattering right now. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have the tools 
to know how to navigate that, it's really challenging. I have 20 years of yoga behind me. I have 20 years of meditating. I have right. a lot of tools. Summer has lots of tools. Like we right. have these tools. If you don't have them, you're going to be like, oh my God, I'm going under, which means you need to get the tools and you need to be in community and you need to have people around you and mentors and guides, just like Summer and I have done in, in our lives. And if you're one of the ones who for the last you know 20 or 10 years has been strengthening and has those practices, then you got to reach your hand out to the women around you and be like, you know, like, it's okay. Like we're going, like we're moving, like, and we can't just rise like, okay, everything's fine. Let's go. It's like, there's some deep healing that needs to happen in ourselves, in our families, in our society. We need to stabilize. We need to let things move and we can't control this. It's going to be a while. You all, this is not like wake up and, oh, it's 2021, yay. Oh, there's a vaccine. Oh, there's a new president. I'm like, no, that's like not what's happening here. Right, absolutely. I'm going to cut in here because I, you touch on this book. You talk about this all over your book, but really early on in the beginning of your book, you talk about this process and you suggest that sometimes we fail because as a culture, we want quick fixes. But as an alternative, you also suggest a process that will lend to change over time. And that changes these mm, four components. So you th talk about awareness, which I always talk about. Sometimes we just don't even have the awareness. So first step, awareness, then reflection, change in the moment, and then integration. And so, you know, when you're talking about this, it's aligning with exactly what you're saying in your book. And it's like, yes, yes I love it. What Summer is talking about, you all, are the four stages of transformation, yes. personal transformation. And, and I really believe that all social and systemic change has to be rooted in personal transformation or it won't stick. This is why I think part of the reason the whole wave that rose up in the 70s um, kind of flatlined and we went into the 80s with shoulder pads and accumulation and more of it in the 90s. I mean, got Dynasty in Dallas. Like, it's just kind of gross if you look at where humanity went in the 80s and the 90s. And then, you know, 2000s were nuts. And so we're at this place of um, we need to, if we don't go within and have the personal transformation, our consciousness can't rise. You'll keep creating the same thing because the mind, the intellect can only create what it's seen before it's seen other people do. This is what Einstein was trying to get to, right? Einstein wasn't a conventional scientist. No. Like he stretched, he, he just blew crap apart. And he he right. wasn't like, I'm not here to do what everybody else is doing. And I always say to women, like, don't be a lemming. Like, don't be a lemming. And just because right. you think you're Wonder Woman, you could be Wonder Woman and still be a lemming. I mean, because you'd be like, you're powerful. Like I'm in a man's, you're, 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 it's a false sense of power. So what Summer is talking about in this, this these stages of it, of, of transformation and why when I wrote the book, I talk about these 12 different imprints because yes. I was like, what's at the root of why we as women, because we can, it's not about blaming the systems. It's about seeing the systems, but that's overwhelming to be like, how do I change the education system? How do I change the government? You start with yourself. And, and so the first stage is awareness. And, and, and that's about looking at your own life. And the question I'm asking everyone to consider right now is look at your own life and what is no longer sustainable? What is not sustaining you? What is not working for you? What is just not working for you anymore or isn't sustainable or just doesn't feel like it's who you are anymore. Like it's a skin you need to shed. It's a role you need to shed. It's a responsibility you need to shed. And that's what you want to be doing at the beginning of the year. Like the whole month of January is about dreaming and visioning before you even start to shift things. And then 
then and the other question is what is sustaining you? Mm-hmm. You know, what is sustaining you or what's your part to play in through your career and through your relationships and, and, and what, what is that? So what's sustaining, what's supporting you, what is asking to be shifted And then the second question is reflection, the second stage. So this is where you still do the same overwhelming, self-sacrificing, self-sabotaging pattern. So for me, one of my core, there's 13 different ways we overgive and we to our work and to others, and then we burn ourselves out. We get resentful. We sacrifice ourselves. So mine last year that I worked with was overextending. Every year I pick one to work with for the whole year. So overextending my life force my resources, my time, very easy to do with a book coming out. And so what would happen is I would overextend my life force usually, or I would, you know, overextend my money, my resources, my staff. And then I'd be like, Oh, look at there. Yeah. Did it again. (laughs) You know, and it's like, but I see you, I see you. Right. And like, Oh, I see how I overextended myself. And then the question is like, well, why? Like, and I went deeper into my heart. And this is the place where, where you said um, so well is that, the power's in the heart. So then you got to go in there and not judge yourself for, gosh, why did I do that again? It's more like, no, why am I doing that? Like, what's the reason underneath there that's driving it? And then that's where the real change comes. And you can move to stage three, which is change in the moment where you realize I'm about to make a decision or a choice in which I'm going to overgive, or I'm going to sabotage myself, or I'm going to do whatever. And you're able to stop and pause ask yourself what I what do I need what is needed make a different decision and then and then eventually you get to the fourth stage which is integration where you've elevated your operating system so we're talking really about choices and how the little choices the big choices all the choices in between and that's how that's how change happens and it doesn't happen with a seven-step diet doesn't happen with a seven-step or a 40-day cleanse it doesn't happen like and that's I think we're we're humans um I think is where we, and you have to, you also have to choose it. Right. I'm curious, some are for you. I know for me, I mean, I've, I've, I have invested money and time and energy and worked with amazing mentors and, um, you know, and, and, and taken that space and that time to be able to be who I am today, to do that deeper work, to do that part. And it wasn't easy, but I'm glad I did it proactively. So that I didn't have to get the disease or the distress or the drama. I mean, I'm not saying I didn't have those things along the ways, but it was like how far after that big wake up call in 2001 and then the one in 2006 with the, with the, you're going to get sick if you keep working this way. I was like, I don't want that to be my storyline. Right. No, I, I think we all go through it. And it's kind of like what Kubler-Ross said when she designed her, her grief, you know, her patterns of grief where she said, you're going to retouch on some of these things over and over. You may revisit the different stages and that's okay. And I think, you know, even with what your stages are and your processes here, I think sometimes we have to go back to awareness. We have to go back to reflection. We have to go back to change in the, in the moment and see how we can better integrate. So these are all great steps in regards to process, because I think that many times people today truly believe that things are supposed to happen tomorrow or yesterday or just like that. And our society has been so fast, so fast paced. Things have, have to come right away that we haven't taken the opportunity to stop. And yet this year we've had to take the opportunity to slot, stop, slow down 
and figure out new ways. And that's kind of like your analogy of going into the river and letting go, mm-hmm. letting go and getting into the middle of it and saying, I not resign, but I embrace, I embrace this and I'm going to let go and I'm going to keep my head above the water, but I'm going to find that group. I'm going to find those folks that are still keeping their head above the water, but are doing this differently. And we are going to survive and not just survive, but we are going to thrive. And it may mean doing things a little differently. It may mean being uncomfortable at first. And may, it may mean revisiting some of these stages of this process. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. And I think a lot of times, as you said in the book, in your book, it's okay to say you're okay, or that you need a break, or that you need to forgive yourself. It's okay. We have to be able to do that. But a lot of times we weren't conditioned. We weren't conditioned to understand what that looks like, what that feels like. And it feels so out of out of whack with what we've been taught that we decide many times to block it out or Mm -hmm. to say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to forgive myself, but what are we really doing? We're going into that disease phase then, or that disease process of what you said, as you touched on of not forgiving ourselves, we're going to get to that point where we're not feeling good physically, mentally, and spiritually. So yeah. And emotionally and emotionally. And, absolutely. And, that, and that's, you know, I, I do, a, I do some wellness, um, wellness, like emotional, they call it mental wellness. So I do some cor- for corporations. I do some mental, they call it mental wellness. I call it mental and emotional wellness. Cause I'm always <laughs> yeah. like, listen, people, the right. mind follows the heart, not the other way around. And our power center is the heart. And it's so interesting because like I, you know, for years have been talking to them and about burnout and overwhelm and da da da. And they'll, we'll, they'll talk, we'll talk up here. Right. But when I start to talk about feelings, when I start to talk about going into the heart, and then I get the, I would get the looks, the woo-woos and the poo-poos, you know, and they're like, you know, and I don't want to have to feel like, no, right? And I get it, you know, I don't want to feel either. But the difference was in 2001, when my heart literally broke open, when my whole internal structure shattered, I was at a choice point. Do I choose to put this all back together the way it was? and try to find and go back to normal? Or do I open up into possibility, into uncertainty, and I don't even know what's out there? And I chose the second one. I chose the second one because I would have just created, you know, I would have, I would have met Jackass 3.0 and I would have married Jackass 3.0 and that's what would happened. And that's why, you know, I wrote my first book, Choosing Me Before We, because so many smart, amazing women, that's what they do. And then they got this Jackass that they're married to. And then they wonder why they have all the, the child care duties and all of that because they're not married to a partner. Separate podcast, but really important for us to talk about as women right. our choices around relationship. But we have to go into the heart. And so like for me, why I, pra- I wrote this book, why I practice this is I'm a card carry member in the Impatience Club for Scherzio. I always want to be where I'm not and think I should be there farther. And I kind of joke, not joke, but I'm serious. I think enlightenment is kind of knowing your five things, like the five things that get you caught up, the five things that your inner mean girl will say, the five pieces of judgment you will have. And for me, it's one of the impatience. Another one is comparison, like those will show up. And another, my third one is passion burnout. I don't suffer. There's eight different kinds of burnout that I've identified. I hardly ever get physical burnout anymore because of the practices that I've put in place and 
the relationship I have to my body and my life force, but I get passion burnout more than is good for me. I mean, that's the honest to God truth and passion mm-hmm. burnout is like, you love what you do right? and you give so much that to me, it almost feels like I'm not a human. I'm, I become a machine, you know, where I'm just like, get up and I give and I go up and I give and right. you're, I, do you have, are you familiar somewhere? I'm seeing. I am familiar. <laughs> I am familiar. However, I have to tell you though, Christine, one of the things that helps me with that is I've also written a book and it was funny because that book really made me tap into, and there was iteration after iteration, you know how it is when you write a book, right? And you go back and you're like, okay, no, 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 this is what I really meant. Or this is what I, and it becomes more and more clear as you write. And one of the things that I really learned is aligning, understanding what my values are, really understanding what my beliefs and values are and aligning that with my why. And when I can do that, it sustains that passion. It really does help me sustain that passion. Not to say that we still don't have those burnout days because seriously, we give and we give and we give and we've been conditioned. So how do we curtail that and say, there's gotta be some boundaries to that. There's gotta be some boundaries to valuing yourself and valuing your time, effort, and energy. What's that look like? It is. Well, and part of it, I know for me, I was interesting. I just last week I was reading, um, I was reading the, my second book, Madly in Love with Me, which is about the 10 branches of self-love and the 10 different kinds of self-love. So distinguishes like self-care from self-pleasure, from self-compassion. I wrote that book and came out in 2012. I just did the audio book last week, which is odd. Like people don't do audio books eight years after. So I'm like, okay, but yeah, this will be exciting. And I'm, so of course, someone, everyone, I'm reading the book as I'm over the December, I'm always like looking at my own self. I'm asking myself all these questions and how have I created a life that's not sustainable? Where it's not working for me? And so I'm reading the the chapter on self-pleasure and self-pleasure is all about joy and joy and living a very sense, uh, like a life that's about senses and like, you know, tasting it in the coffee cup I'm drinking out of right now. So savor the moment. And my words for 2020 was savor. And Mm -hmm. I made a promise, a self-love promise to myself that I would savor my creations because I'll often like make something do it and then get on to the next thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And it took me three years to write Overwhelmed and Over It, 10 years to research it. And I could feel like that there's that just, it's like a deep and it's an imprint that right. once it's like, there's so much more to do and I got to get on to the next thing. So mm-hmm. part of my practices are like choosing it over that like I, I work with every year to, to elevate it and also making a self-love promise every year on February 13th, self-love day. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a day founded in 2008 to bring more awareness to self-love. Cause again, I start talking about self-love to people and I get the woo-woos and the poo-poos looking at me again. And they're like, <laughs> you know, like she's not serious. I'm like, everybody's self-love is like a cornerstone of leadership. You know, right. like, it's like, it's part of it. So I'm reading about self-pleasure and I'm like, I'm like, we're, I'm like, I mean, it's, I clearly need more of this in my life because I haven't been doing the things that bring me joy, like the human things, like because of the COVID, right? So I haven't been doing pottery. I love pottery and just going to pottery class and having nothing, no, 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 being productive, no plan. I just want to make shit and like, see what happens, (laughs) you know? Totally. I get or, it. Or dancing or like, I love going out to eat and I love drinking really good wine and I love like really amazing conversations with friends. And so there's been less and less of that. And I'm just like, I need some pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> well, which gets me actually to my next question. When you think about your book, what is your hope 
for people that read this book, what is your hope that they will take away from overwhelmed and over it? Mm, that's a good question. So it's interesting the that's at the subtitle of the book before it was embrace your power to stay centered and sustain in a chaotic world was um, overwhelmed and over it, why it's not your fault and how to find mm. the power to change it. And so my first hope is that women <clears throat> and any men or any beings who read this book, I wrote it for women because we have some specific imprints that are very specific to the female psyche um, that we first get, first of all, we wake up to the systemic underlying roots of what's going on, that there's like a wake up, like a light bulb that goes off in us. Because I think that's why we haven't made the changes we've made because we women have been really so overwhelmed and just keeping it together. That's part of the design of the system. Because if we could actually see what was going on and we had any mental space to look at that in any physical space to actually deal with it, we would change this, of course, right? So first that wake up. And then the second part has to be not go right to fix it. It has to go to that intuitive sensing part of like, this has been a lot. This has been hard. It has been like, and let yourself feel it. Like, let yourself feel like I just get tears in my eyes of like the pressure and the stress and how much we carry and how hard it has been for most of us. And if we can let ourselves feel it, and I, and I can, that's why I'm getting like these tears in my eyes, yeah. I'm, I'm allowing my heart to like, feel the ways in which it has been hard for me, for you. I, in the, I, I lost my first student two years ago. I'm a woman who was 54 years old and had so much passion, so much drive, wanted to change the the realm of leadership, worked in the pharmaceutical industry, left that and then took a job to, um, cause she needed to for financial reasons. She, she believed for her family. And two weeks later she was dead not from the cancer, which she beat twice, but from her heart. Yeah. Um, her story's in the middle of the book. And if a woman like that at the age of 54, who has that much life force in her, like that can happen to any of us. And it's not okay. It's just not okay with me. It's not okay that I'm talking to a room full of some of the most privileged girls economically and educationally, and they don't know about their intuition. It's not okay with me. Right. So it's like, we had to feel that because like, that's when that fierce feminine wakens up in us. Mm -hmm. And like that mother lion of like, I always, I call it hashtag not on my watch, uh-uh, not on my watch. We're going to do this differently. Move over. Right. <laughs> Mama's in charge. Right. Mama's in charge. Clean. Here we go. <laughs> and that, you know, that mother energy, that great fierce grace mother energy, who's like right. by nature, we want to create systems that sustain life. And, and it will be the women who lead the way it just will. And it doesn't mean that men aren't part of, they absolutely are and beings and whatever, like we're all part of this, but it will be that feminine energy that is like, no, we are, we're doing this differently. And then we all get and take away from this book. Look at yourself first, go in there, see what's, you know, like free yourself first, free yourself, free yourself, elevate yourself. And then through your presence and through what I call harmonic defiance, which is mm -hmm. one of our amazing superpowers, which is defying the systems that exist, small ones and big ones by the choices you make in your life. Mm -hmm. And then dare to do it differently. You know, dare to, and it will stretch you, you know, in some ways. And it will, it's just, and it'll bring up all kinds of fear and like, you know, mm -hmm. but that, but when you do it differently, 
and then it works out okay, your nervous system, your mental system, all of you is like, oh, that was better. <laughs> you know, like, and then, and then you start to elevate your consciousness and you start to elevate and create at a higher level of, of intelligence. Well, thank you so much for those words and that takeaway. My last question is, as we come to the end of this interview, what words of wisdom can you leave the listeners with today? Hmm. Well, one thing I'd love to say to all of the women, and I'll say it to myself, I'll say it to you, Summer, I'll say it to everyone who's listening, is to really know that your presence is enough. Your presence is enough. And so if, if all you do as we go through this crazy transformation that we're going through as a, as a world, because it's happening, to stay centered, to stay calm. If I boiled feminine power down to two words, what power really feels like in a woman when it's balanced and it's aligned is fierce grace. And to be able to do whatever you need to do to get the support around you, to get the systems around you that you need to show up as that calm, centered, connected. And, and I like to think of us all on our surfboards, you know, <laughs> we've got it. We've got the wave. We're going down the river, man. Let's do it. Like we got a high summer. Out of surfboards, and there's some days you're gonna be laying on your surfboard like I just can't get up, and that like, that's cool. Sometimes you might fall off the surfboard, but then you know you gotta get back on and like reach out a hand to a sister to help you get back on, or to you know a partner, and and to just get like oh like oh okay like that if if, if all you if all you do is affect the people in your family, and you affect the people that are in your immediate circle, like that's enough. Yeah. And then everything else on top of that, if that's part of your part, that's great. But I think that we think we have to go out there and do all of this stuff. But I remember being a manager of when I was in corporate and I had a team of seven people and I, and I would say to them, and I was like, you know, 30 at the time, and I, but I knew this was true. No one's going to remember the projects. And we put all this energy in the projects and all, all, you know, all this stress. They will remember you and how you showed up and your presence. So focus there, the projects will take care of themselves. And I think that that is, um, that's my, that the pre our presence really is enough to change this world. Well, thank you, Christine, for joining me on the Core Women podcast today. Thank you so much, Summer, for your work in the world. And thank you for having me and much love to everybody. Absolutely. If you would like to learn more about Christine Arilo, go to christinearilo.com or overwhelmedandoverit.com. And you can find her on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. If you need a strategic empowerment coach, contact me. If you want to tell your story of empowerment or how you have reconstructed your life to drive change, send me a video or an email of your story providing permission to use it on my social media platforms. If you want to be featured on my podcast, reach out to me at infocorewomen.com. I want to hear from you and to get to know you. You are now part of the Core Women Home. Let's get to know each other. Let's learn from one another. Please follow Core Women on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Please let your women friends know about this podcast. If you write about Core Women in your social media posts, please hashtag Core Women. This is all about women. Thank you for taking the time to learn more about Core Women, and please stay tuned for continued growth of the Core Women movement. Let's grow and drive change together.